0: Canada's Jewish community said goodbye in the past few months to too many community builders. And on today's episode of the CJN Daily's Honourable Mention with my guest co-host Ron Sillag, we'll learn more about them, including Mira Kashitsky of Toronto and Saskatoon's Gladys Rose, Ottawa counter Moshe Kraus, and several other survivors of the Holocaust who built new lives in Canada, including Vancouver's Alec Buckman and Calgary's Sid Singeiser, often referred to as that city's Elie Wiesel. And Lorne Weiner, he fought the Nazis and anti-Semitism with the Canadian forces on the beaches of Normandy during the Second in World War and Justices Ted Matlow and Horace Creever. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, July the 11th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily's Honorable Mention, sponsored by Metropia. And welcome back. We're here with the CJN's Ron Sileg, reporter emeritus. Good to have you back, Ron.
1: It's good to be back, yes and no. I mean, we're Not, you know, or have a grim task ahead of us, but it's uh, it's always good to see you, Ellen.
0: And you always say death doesn't take a holiday, even in the summer, and this time we really have way too many people that passed away to fit into one episode. But Ron, can you believe that it's been over a year we started this Honourable Mention in May of 2022? Although you may remember we had a different name, people didn't like it, Mm -hmm. which we won't say. But, you know, we've profiled over 50 prominent Canadians Mm -hmm. who've passed away since we started, which is, it's pretty something.
1: It is. It is. And, you know, uh, years ago when newspapers still mattered, there were studies done out of the United States to show that the number one way to grow a newspaper was obits. And, and these were amazing studies, local obits, not necessarily, you know, former presidents or what have you. Local people getting uh, the full treatment every day. People like obits. Uh, there's a reason there's a full page in the Globe and Mail every day that's ad-free and is kept that way. It's because people read it. It's one of the most read things in any publication.
0: That's true for the CJN also.
1: Well, I hope it is, and and it's true for uh, other media as well and other forms of media. Television stations have them. I know that uh, it's done in Australia all the time on the air. And so um, people like to read about great lives and even the occasional scoundrel. Why not?
0: Especially the occasional scoundrel, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, we've lost so many people since Pesach, our last episode, um, so many honorable mentions. And some of them are certainly, as you said, household names in Toronto, Saskatchewan, uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa, even in Israel. And so let's speak of Israel. And we'll start, of course, with Mira Kushitsky, mm-hmm. who passed away in June and to whom Israel meant so much. So, Ron, who was she? And uh, how was she related to Julia Kushitsky, who we've covered before? Right.
1: right. Um, Mira was Julia's sister-in-law. Uh, they were married to brothers Saul and Henry. And so those four names formed, I would say, sort of, in many ways, the four pillars of uh, Toronto's Jewish community and the international Jewish community as well, especially in the case of Julia. They were active pretty much everywhere. Um, Mira was a very soft-spoken uh, lady, but you knew right away there was some steel behind the silk. She was uh, uh, very determined and a hard, hard worker, uh, a Holocaust survivor born in Bratislava in what was then Czechoslovakia, raised on a, a feudal estate, apparently. They were hidden during the Holocaust by uh, a Gentile. Her parents were also hidden in a n- nearby village. They all survived, miraculously, came to Canada in 1947, speaking no English. Um, and her love for Israel was really a function, she would say, of her Holocaust experience, and that sort of deepened over the years. She was involved in, as I say, just about everything, Canadian Jewish Congress, uh, UJA Federation, or the, the late and lamented Canadian Jewish Congress, I should say, B'nai Akiva Schools Associated, bar University. University. Uh, she fought a long battle, people don't, might not remember this, for Baycrest uh, to become a kosher and to be kept a kosher institution. Um, yeah, uh, her eldest son uh, has been has taken in, uh, uh, followed in his mother's footsteps. He's David kashitsky has served as president of UJA, national chair of CJA, and like Julia, represented Canada, or uh, was a, uh, an active player chairman, I believe, of Karen, uh, Karen uh, at mm-hmm. United Israel Appeal, the World Board of Trustees. So um they didn't they the kashitskis didn't dabble they weren't dilettantes they really got into it up to their shoulders and um mira will be missed she was i think just shy of her 88th birthday and um really as i say uh th- the name has become almost synonymous with community activity and philanthropy
0: right, right. and their their her in-laws i guess parents names were on, are on so many buildings and schools and so now the two brothers Saul and Henry are widowers. They are. Uh, if you want to watch the, the funeral, we have the link to the funeral service in our show notes from Steele's Memorial Chapel. So I want you to hear David Kaczynski, her son, speaking about his mom at her funeral.
2: My mother was a young married woman coming to a new city in Calgary. Yet she was a, she didn't have the connections, yet she was immediately the president of the sisterhood. When she came to Toronto, she became very involved in the PTA of Associated. Remember those years, it was a man's world. So it wasn't easy for women to be on the board, but she led through the PTA. But what was closest to her heart? She was a survivor. She had dealt with anti-Semitism, and she knew what it would do, and she was infuriated with the concept of Holocaust denial. Well, that meant that it was a natural shift between her and the Canadian Jewish Congress. She joined the Congress, worked her way up through the ranks to the very top, and she was there.
0: So you spoke about how uh, Mira Shitsky was a pillar of the community for Toronto's Jewish community and also Israel. And I think the similar... A description could be said about Gladys Rose, who passed away May fifteenth in Toronto. Although she was spent all her life in the prairies in Saskatoon, as what she was sort of like the Mirakoshitsky of Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She
1: was the Definitely. oracle of Saskatchewan. I called her if you ever wanted to know anything about Saskatchewan, which was rare. Not much, or or not much that was reported by the CJN because it was so heavily uh, uh, centered on Toronto and Montreal. CJN didn't pay much attention to Saskatchewan, but when it did in terms of anything involving uh, Jewish life, synagogue life, you called one person, and that was Gladys Rose. There was nothing she didn't know about what goings on in the community. She was actually, yes, born in Saskatoon, um, I believe uh, into a family that ran a family grocery store. Um,
0: I think her parents were like the typical, they came from Belarus, settled on the prairies, mm-hmm. at, in that generation of Jews that did that, and then yeah. she was her only child, but she certainly went... Uh, was a trailblazer, was she not, in terms of her education and in conservative Judaism? Do you know?
1: Well, she became the first female president of a conservative synagogue in Canada, which is the synagogue in Saskatoon, Congregation Agudas Israel.
0: And we just did a whole feature on them last week, and I'm going to put a link to it. It's sad that she passed away just before their dedication and uh, reopening. Yeah,
1: but but, uh, she leaves a terrific legacy, which we reported on in Saskatoon, which is the revitalization of the synagogue and more people coming. And so that is a wonderful legacy. Uh, Also involved in National Council of Jewish Women, CJC, and a a task force in Saskatoon called Multi-Faith Saskatoon, Uh, that gathered together people of different faiths to talk. So um, she was our man on the prairies, so to speak, and uh, she moved to Toronto in 2005 to be closer to her children.
0: I really like the fact that even though after her uh, beloved husband passed away, Jerry, uh, she went and had a bat mitzvah at 85 years old Mm -hmm. at uh, Darchei Noam in Toronto.
1: Yep, played bridge, joined a book club, uh, uh, a very full life. And uh, what may not have been always easy out in Saskatoon, especially in the early days, there was probably, a, you know, a latent anti-Semitism on the prairies, but, uh, you know, she muscled through it and uh, did a lot of great work there and, and grew the community.
0: I really like this, how they called her the Simcha Roses, she and her husband, because if there was an invitation to a Simcha, they went no matter where it was. And that is wonderful, because she also suffered a lot of tragedy in her personal life. She lived, she outlived a lot of her own immediate family.
1: Her husband died in 1999. Her daughter, Kathy, died in 2000. Her other daughter, Naomi, died in 2016. And Kathy's husband died the following year. So... Yeah, uh, a lot of tragedy in her life, but um, she considered herself lucky. She was resilient. She was happy. She was always positive.
0: She was in Toronto, but they buried her back home. The burial is at the cemetery in Saskatoon, and I really like how they... Uh, said that for her charities, if you wanted to make donations, of course, her beloved synagogue was one of the top on the list or save a child's heart. And here's her daughter, Dr. Toby Rose, at the funeral in Toronto. She was so much more than a stay-at-home mom. She did extensive and high-level volunteer work for the National Council of Jewish Women, Canadian Jewish Congress, multi-faith Saskatoon, and the Royal University Hospital Foundation, among others. She was the first woman president of a conservative synagogue in Canada, Congregation Agudas Israel in Saskatoon. During her tenure, the synagogue became egalitarian, much earlier than conservative synagogues in Toronto. She loved Saskatoon and Saskatchewan, their history, geography, people, the Jewish community, and even the weather. We think she coined the phrase, it's a dry cold. Now, in terms of Holocaust survivors, we mentioned at the opening of the show, the ones who we are going to talk about have become sort of institutions in their communities because they did so much work for so long that you always thought they would always be here. Because they spoke and they were on March of the Living. So let's speak about March of the Living, first of all, uh, which suffered a a really difficult experience this past spring when one of their survivors who was with them died in Poland.
1: He did. I mean, uh, (laughs) this is a story in itself. Alex Buckman was uh, a real stalwart of Holocaust education in British Columbia. He was an advocate for child survivors, of which he was one. He was 83 when he died in April. Buckman was, Mr. Buckman was a chaperone on the March of the Living in Poland, and that's where he died on April 21st. And um, it's both fitting and tragic. And um, uh, he was a terrific educator, president of the Vancouver Child Survivors Group. Uh, He was on the board of the World Federation of Jewish Child Survivors. And he spoke to thousands of students in the province very effectively. These are. Kids who uh, aren't normally interested in the subject unless they meet someone who lived through it, and he really had an effect on these kids. I'm told that they lined up to shake his hand.
0: Now, he was there with his son on this trip. Patrick. And while he didn't collapse at Auschwitz. I think he collapsed in the hotel after Mm. they'd visited it. I know from hearing it that the kids who were on the trip with him, it was a Western Canada and sort of smaller communities bus as opposed to like Toronto or Ottawa bus, Mm. were devastated. And phone calls were going home to parents at three o'clock in the morning. Mm. The kids were just beyond overcome because they fell in love with him and they they just couldn't handle this.
1: Mm. It must have been quite something to have a a survivor, a chaperone, die uh, in the very vicinity of the place he was incarcerated as a, a, during World War II. Yeah,
0: But they was... went on with the trip. I know his son said that they didn't want to just go home. Uh, they, it would have meant a lot to the father to make sure they finished the trip and went to Israel. So what else do we know about, about Alex Buckman?
1: Well, he was born in Brussels um, at just a few months after Germany invaded Belgium. He was only two years old when his parents sent him into hiding. He would find shelter in a dozen different non-Jewish homes over the space of two years. Um, He was moved to an orphanage. His parents were murdered in Auschwitz and eventually immigrated to Canada in 1951, settling in Montreal and um, became an accountant and became a housing officer for the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, which sounds like... uh, doesn't sounds like a bit like dull, a bit a dull. Really
0: boring government job,
1: right? except it wasn't because for him, what he did was he ended up developing homes for indigenous people in British Columbia, saying it felt good to help people move into their first homes and it changed their lives. And uh, so he worked very closely with a lot of First Nations band bands and felt connected to them. Um, also ran marathons.
0: Wow. What an amazing man! Yeah,
1: did go to the March of the Living in 2010, which affected him deeply, which is why he wanted to go back. And um, so, yes, an amazing full life. Another one.
0: And then, if you move east a little bit towards Calgary, uh, we we did an obit in the C.J.N. about the fellow that I mentioned at the top of the show, who they consider their Elie Wiesel, mm-hmm. Sidney Singeiser. Uh,
1: another huge proponent of Holocaust education, he has dubbed Calgary's Elie Wiesel. He died uh, in late June. He was 99. And he too shared his story with generations of Alberta students. He inspired lots of kids and um, others as well. He was born in Lodge, He was Polish in 1924. And his memories were of a very happy childhood. Of course, that lasted until uh, 1939. Um, he went to the worst place there was, which was Auschwitz. He survived a selection, uh, and he did that by making him look healthier. Which meant, which what he did, how he did that was by pinching his cheeks to make him sort of blush and brushed his clothes off to make him as healthy as possible. Um, He survived. His mother and three sisters were murdered at Treblinka. Uh, He said he was 72 pounds when he was liberated in 1945, spent three years convalescing uh, in a DP camp, and arrived in Canada in 1951 and did very well in the real estate business. Also, just an amazing speaker and uh, the couple was involved in a, a host of uh, Jewish activities, UJA, bonds, etc. And uh, Calgary's uh, Mount Royal University's library, which has a good Holocaust education collection. And uh, among 50 survivors in 1998 to receive something called the Zahor Award, which was jointly created by the federal government and Canadian Jewish organizations to recognize... Survivors' contribution to history and how they told it. So, an amazing man.
0: I like how you said how they told it because he was also part of the recent exhibit that was in Calgary called Here to Tell. There's a book, it was a traveling exhibition, a photography exhibit of survivors, including, of course, Sid. Now, we'd be remiss if we spoke about Holocaust survivors and didn't mention Cantor Moshe Kraus from Ottawa, we did write a story about him for the CJN's uh, website. Alex Rose did the op-it, but Cantor Krauss' story, sh- again, they could all be movies. This mm-hmm. one incredible story. And he wrote his own book, uh, his memories, his mo- um, biography. And it just came out about a year ago about how he became the sing- I can't say the Yiddish properly, but Moshe the Singer. Mm-hmm. Because that's how he survived and became a virtuoso cantor all across Europe. And I'm going to uh, let you pick up the story a bit yeah. about him.
1: Another Hollywood uh, story worthy of a Hollywood movie. Prior to the war, he was 18 when he was hired as chief cantor, pardon me, of a town called Siget, which was a Hungarian town, five synagogues. So he got around, he was chief cantor at 19... Of Budapest Um, 21 years old finds himself in Bergen Belsen and raises the spirits of his fellow prisoners by singing going from barracks to barracks singing 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 he once said and that performance drew the attention of the camp commandant Captain Joseph Kramer known as the Beast of Belsen and demanded to know who demanded to know whether this young man could sing in German and of course Krauss spoke fluent German began singing songs and uh, returned every Sunday to sing for the camp commandant, receiving scraps of food here and there, and that's how he survived. Uh, He moved to Israel and served as the first chief cantor of the Israel Defense Forces. Uh, Moved around a bit, had a peripatetic life. He moved to synagogues in Antwerp. He was in Johannesburg, Mexico City. Uh, Gave concerts everywhere from Glasgow to Istanbul. Uh, Moved to Ottawa and lived there, I believe, for the last 50 years of his life. Moved to Ottawa in 1975, I found the date. He was hired as cantor at Congregation Beth Shalom. He retired uh, five years later, but uh, an amazing life, really film-worthy, and died at age 100.
0: At the end, he had this beautiful... He had a uh, not a beret, I guess it's like a fisherman's beret type of uh, mm-hmm. hat. This full beard with this flowing mustache. Mm-hmm. Not he looked like Captain Highliner type of beard, <laughs> you know, really distinguished look. Yeah,
1: very distinguished. And
0: still look. married to his wife yeah. of all these years. She's yeah. still alive. They lived in Ottawa. And last year they the synagogue which he was affiliated with had a fundraising gala in his honor. His book was just published before he passed away, and we're going to put the link
3: mm-hmm. Moshe the
0: Zinger. Uh, to it so people can order it and read. And here is a little clip from 2016 when Cantor Krauss is describing his first foray into the professional singing world.
3: When I became nine, all of a sudden I became very popular. I had a beautiful voice and they invited me uh, all Europe. We didn't know more than Europe Who knew America? There was no television, there was no radio, there was no telephone, there was no autobus, there was no cars. But in Europe, I traveled Europe as a child from nine and gave concerts. Gave concerts for schools, for organizations. I made my father a good life, my father and mother a good life. I brought home money. There was no banks. There was no checks. I came home with a lot of money, uh, cash. And I gave it to my parents. And they sit down by the table to count how much it is. And I went outside to play with the children.
0: Now we're talking about the war. So can I jump in here with our veteran who was um, deeply affected? By what he'd seen as far as encountering the Holocaust encountering what had happened to the Jews of Europe I think it's the right sort of theme since we've been bringing that up and so that was Lorne Weiner Irvin Lorne Weiner he went by Lorne who died in Toronto and he was 105 years old and he was with it completely with it right to the end in fact I knew Lorne very well because I had the honor and privilege to interview him many times for my work about Canada's Jewish soldiers who served in World War II and he's one of the main characters in the book he grew up in the hard scrabble area of Toronto called the ward which doesn't exist anymore but he was poor and he had uh illnesses where he had to sleep on the roof outside for his uh, for tuberculosis and for consumption because he wasn't healthy enough so he needed clean air instead of living in the tenement where he was growing up And um, he served with the Royal Canadian Artillery in the Second World War, served for six years. And when he landed in Normandy with his unit, he encountered the remnants of France's Jews. And this story is so powerful that every time he told it, he would cry. I'm going to play you a clip from it. But this is what happened. The so the canadians had pushed through from the beaches of normandy they had uh, captured some towns including one called caen, caen in france and it was all rubble but there was an area in a quarry where it was not bombed out and they held a memorial service for Cana- for jewish service personnel who had been killed so uh, here
2: are all these armed troops coming in for this jewish cemetery and the service started Five minutes into the service, we began to hear a moaning sound, and we looked around in the shadows. Were a couple of dozen Jewish survivors. They had been hidden for five years, and only that were still alive after the bombing of Khan itself, which is which was a something which is a victory of itself. They looked like wraiths. A ghost standing against the wall there, and they were moaning, partly partly in elation. It was a mix of of relief for them to see all these armed Jewish soldiers that it it remained with me for many years. I couldn't tell the story without tears coming in my eyes.
0: I mean, he he came back to Canada. I'm sure he had PTSD because he couldn't work. For a while, uh, and eventually he went into real estate. He married and uh, and had a family, and he was very involved in the Legion, and uh, and ta- telling his stories like just like the survivors told their stories. He was speaking to school children all over the world. Crestwood Prep has a beautiful um, video of him. My website has tons of stuff on him. Someone I'll never forget. I went to the funeral. Just an amazing man. So uh, he'll be missed. Okay. So we have a little bit more time for a couple more names.
1: Well, we lost uh, two judges uh, recently, Ted Matlow, Judge Ted Matlow, Josh Matlow's father, Councillor Josh Matlow, mayoral candidate.
0: In the city of Toronto's election. In the
1: city of Toronto, right. Judge Matlow died July 9th at the age of 83. Very well-known judge, had a childhood dream of becoming a judge. I don't know too many people who did. He initially served on the District Court of Ontario, as it was then called, and then Uh, was on the Superior Court of Justice from 1990 to 2015, a good long stretch. Um, I knew him from his days at, again, the late Canadian Jewish Congress. He co-chaired the uh, Committee on Soviet Jury from 1989 to, and this was a very important period, 1989 to 1992, Mm -hmm. which is when immigration really, really picked up. And so he was a busy guy on that committee. Uh, Traveled to the Soviet Union, several times he brought uh, supplies vital medication to refuse nicks presided over a, a lot of high-profile fraud cases and um, a very well-regarded well-respected judge uh, the other judge who passed away earlier this year was horace creever
0: right from the creever commission
1: the creever commission was a very touchy and sensitive commission and a very emotional one uh, that looked at canada's blood supply uh, how to keep it from getting tainted and so that was a highly technical hearing that he presided over, and became you know a bit of a master on the subject, on a scientific subject. Well, this
0: is because the blood supply did get tainted by hepatitis, uh, hepatitis donation, right.
1: right? So it involved the Red Cross, it involved many, many parties. Again, uh, Canada's blood supply is uh, owes its thanks now to Judge Creever.
0: So that is our honorable mention for this episode of the CJN Daily's tribute to honorable men and women who we have lost in recent months. Ron, as always, fascinating stories. You knew many of them. Yes, I did. Yeah. And so this is also personal for you. Well,
1: it's 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 personal. And this is a problem for obit writers in that if you write about someone you knew and knew quite well, it sort of violates the first rule of obit writing, which is that you're not supposed to have known the person because that, you know, sets up a bias. Um, it's okay if you knew them slightly, but in some cases here, I got to know people pretty well. And uh, but you know, sometimes you have no choice. If if you're the guy chosen to write it, you do it anyway.
0: Well, I'm glad we learned a lot about uh, our honorable mention in women. Thanks so much for being with us again on the C J N Daily. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the C J N Daily, sponsored by Metropi.